Hello everyone, it's Josephine here, your performing arts business strategist and coach. Now today I'm going to be talking about something that I think is going to save you time, heartache and energy. And we all need extra time in our lives. We all need to reserve that energy. And if you can avoid heartache, then (laughs) it's a good thing, right? So I'm going to be sharing with you my time-saving hiring process that is guaranteed to save you time, energy, and heartache. Uh, These are the seven steps that I do for myself with an optional eighth step. So these are the seven steps that I do to hire staff. Now, we all know if you've ever hired a dud, you're going to want to hear this. Or if you're new to hiring, or if you have a team that doesn't really fit the mold of what you imagined, I have some, yeah, some great strategies and really easy to follow steps that are going to help you find your people. All right. So ready to rock and roll with my time saving hiring process. Let's do it. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lancuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. I am going to share with you some really easy to follow steps here. Um, Now, I've been hiring people for, let's think about that probably for around six years. Yeah. So I've been hiring people for six years. I have uh, my performing arts, uh, musical makers club, um, theatrical programming business. So the type of stuff that I hire there are typically coaches, administration, um, digital marketing, um, things like that. Um, anything related to the back end is the office staffing and anything related to the actual work and technical side are my performing arts coaches. Um, I've also, you know, have an agency, so I've hired agent assistants and things like that. And I've also hired people just in the realms of event management and, you know, having to hire staff for stage managing, um, light and technical crew, uh, you know, the list goes on. I guess it really doesn't matter what you do. Um, but I do think that out of these seven steps, you're going to get a lot of value. And there may be one or two that doesn't apply to your business. Like for example, if I talk about, um, you know, getting a coach to come in and trial a class, then that may not be applicable. But I think for the most part, you're going to get some golden nuggets, especially these first few, which a lot of people 
overlook. So this is what happens. You place an ad, right? I remember once I placed a seek ad for administrative assistant and we got over 80 applications. How the heck do you sift through 80 applications? Okay. There's a few ways that I do it. Um, when it comes to my coaches and my teachers, you know, we probably wouldn't get an influx of over 80 applicants for one role. We might get 10, sometimes up to 20, depending. But yeah, usually just a handful, depending on the time of year and what it is and how many classes we have available to fill, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So the first thing, the first step of my time-saving hiring process is to email my applicants a welcome video with an action step that they need to follow at the end. So what I do is I have a little video that I've popped up on private on YouTube. You can host it anywhere you like. Um, And it's literally just a welcome video introducing myself, introducing the company. It's no more than five minutes, guys, five minutes max. Uh, I talk about the culture, what we're looking for. So the type of person we're looking for. Uh, Basically, I'm pre-qualifying them for the role. Uh, With my coach's video, I actually say in the video, if you are looking to, we're looking for teachers first, if you're a performer first and are looking, you know, for the next opportunity on a cruise ship or whatever, we're looking for people that really want to teach first. And that's because we want consistency for our students. So if you're looking, if that's not you and this is an in-between gig, then um, please stop the video now and... Um, do not press on with this application. So I'm basically getting rid of the people that I don't want in my business. You can put whatever you want in there, regardless of your business type. You put a video together that is welcoming them, giving them a quick overview of the company, your culture, what you're looking for. And then at the end, this is the key part, guys. At the end, I ask them to email me back with a yes, I'm ready to move forward. So I literally say at the end of the video, if you'd like to move forward to the next um, part of our hiring process, please reply to my email with, yes, I'm ready to move forward and I will send you the next step. So that's it. And then that's what people do. And at that point, you might might lose 50% of your applicants. If you lose 50% of your applicants, that's a good thing because it means First of all, they might not have watched the video. Second of all, they're just like, if they can't sit through five minutes, then you don't want them anyway. If they don't reply to you in a timely fashion, you don't want them anyway. And if they don't meet the criteria that you've outlined in your welcome video and they don't respond then that's okay. Sometimes they actually do respond and say, oh, I've just listened to your video. I don't think this is the right fit for me. Perfect. Great. That's what we want to know. So when I'm not wasting time sitting there interviewing 20 people unnecessarily. Okay. So step one is email your applicants with a welcome video and an action step they must follow. Okay. Step two, send a questionnaire. So I just have a questionnaire that I've created in Google Docs. Um, and I have a range of questions that they must answer. Um, these should be 
for your business specifically. So I can't really give you all of the questions. I'll tell you some of the things I do ask that might guide you and help you. But at the end of the day, they've got to be questions that you want to know. For us, we want to know, um, you know, firstly, do they have a working with children's check? That's relevant for my industry. Do they have a working with children's check? Where, where do they live? What suburb are they from? Do they have a car? Um, are they willing, how far are they willing to travel? And I have a drop down menu, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes. This is relevant to us because um, we have multiple club locations. So when qualifying them, we want to know, okay, so they live 45 minutes from the venue that we've talked about. And they've said they're only willing to travel 15 minutes, which tells me that they might, even though you could push it, they might become disgruntled over time because of the travel. So you'd have to overcome that by potentially offering them a travel fee or just not hiring them at all. Cause you know, in the end, they're going to leave you cause they're going to be annoyed by the travel. So <laughs> I always find that to be a really good question for my particular business. I ask them what makes you a great fit for the role? What makes you, you know, what makes you fit the role? Um, and then I ask them for their references. So it's really basic. It's what's your phone number, your email address, um, you know, the suburb in which you, your address, the suburb in which you live, um, your availabilities. And I have a drop down menu, you know, Monday daytime, Monday afternoon, Monday night, whatever, whatever I'm looking for. I just pop it in a drop down menu so I can check and not waste my time. If I'm looking for a coach on Thursdays and then they haven't ticked Thursdays, waste of time. I'm not going to even bother. I, they're not for me right? But then I might notice they ticked Tuesdays. So I might think, oh, they could be a great cover teacher for Tuesdays if we ever need someone because they live local to that space or whatever. And um, yeah, so those are the those are the key areas. I, I will just reiterate because I glazed over it. I also asked for them two references. Uh, I think references is important. Don't think that um, you don't need to do that even in an arts industry. I think in the in the arts industry we tend to overlook the power of reference. I think it's a great tool to have to actually um, have a couple of people you can call upon to check in with. And um, yeah, sometimes you'd be surprised on what people say or the attributes that are mentioned if it's in line with what you're looking for. Uh, so that's always a good one. If they can't list references, then you, you've got a problem. If there's not two people in the world you can, that they can list for you to call, you've got a problem. <laughs> so I probably wouldn't proceed with someone who could not provide me with references. Okay, so that's step number two, send a questionnaire. Once that questionnaire comes back, if I'm satisfied with the responses and I feel like it's a good fit for what I'm looking for, it's then I, I you know, look, it's also a good test to see are they willing to do the questionnaire? If it takes them seven days to do the questionnaire, they're not serious about the role. So that's another thing to point out. The next thing is step three, I do a face a FaceTime interview or a Zoom interview. I typically do FaceTime because it's super easy. I only book a Zoom link if they don't have a FaceTime facility on their phone, like they don't have an iPhone. Um, if they've got an Android or something like that, I don't know. But so I will invite them to a FaceTime interview and then I just pop in the email. If you, if you don't have FaceTime facility on your phone, please advise and I'll make it a Zoom link. Um, please choose from my available times. 
I'm not asking when they're available. They have to fit my availability. So I will list anywhere up to five different time slots with 30, I just allow 30 minutes, even though sometimes you can cut a FaceTime interview if you're not feeling it in five, you know, it's going well if it makes it to 30 minutes. Um, yeah, so I do a FaceTime interview and or a Zoom interview and that's where I get to know them. I think seeing their face is really important. A phone interview without seeing their face for me doesn't cut the mustard. I want to see them. I want to um, pick up on their personality, their energy, and I think that FaceTime interview really does help. So, yeah, so I will just list five available times, you know, Monday, 11 a.m. to 11.30, Tuesday, 8 p.m. to 8.30, whatever your time slots are, list them and say, please select from one of the following times. And that's it. Okay, so that's step number three, doing a FaceTime or Zoom interview. Note that I actually have preset interview questions that I always refer to. So um, I think it's really important to have that preset so you're not wasting time. The key to a good interview is to let them talk. So I lead the into. I don't tell them all about my business because I'm so excited um, because then they're just going to tell me what I want to hear and they're going to repeat back what I've told them. Like if I say, oh, I'm looking for teachers that love working with children so much and they put children first and then they'll go, oh, I love working with children. I always put children first and I go, oh, that's great. I'm sort of leading them into what I want to hear. So I don't do that. I just have a range of questions that I always go through and we always end with money. I always say, right, what, what would you expect in a rate? What's your expected rate? And then I refer to what I'm offering. Okay. So then I know if they're even on the ballpark, if they say they're $80 an hour and we're only offering 30, um, they don't qualify. There's no way you're going to get someone from $80 to $30. You know, like don't even waste your breath. Um, And again, they might do it for a bit and then be disgruntled. So you've just got to be clear on the questions. But I usually lead in with, okay, so um, what do you do at the moment? Do you have another job at the moment? Because a lot of our roles are casual. Are you working anywhere else? Oh, okay, you're active within the performing arts. Do you have any projects on the go? Um, Other questions I ask are um, what made you apply for the role? What do you know about our, our company? I want to see if they've looked us up. Have they bothered? Do they even know what we do? Sometimes they have no idea. And then I know that they're not a good fit. They've put no effort into the application process. Um, other things I ask, are, you know, where do you see yourself in 12 months? Where do you see yourself in three years? Other questions I have on my list are, um, you know, what, what was a challenge or a problem that you've had having counted at your work and what did you do about it? You know, so I'm making them think on their feet. I'm coming, but these are relevant to what I want to know. I want to find out the type of person they are and what they value because that's really important to me. So again, you've got to lead in with questions that really work for your business. Okay, so that was step three doing a FaceTime or Zoom interview. The next step is step four. Now this applies for more of a studio environment. Um, I get them to attend a class to view and then I get them to potentially run a warm-up activity. So, I mean, this could apply to any company really, I suppose. I mean, you get them to come in and view what you do, you know, wherever you are. If it's a staff role in the office, 
get them to come in and, and do a few tasks. I've done that with my administration people. I've gotten them to come into my, my home office. That's where we work from. And I've gotten them to just, um, you know, take on uh, three hours worth of task. I'll, I'll set them a task and I'll see them work, see how we vibe, you know. But anyway, so attend a class to view. So they're not running the class. <clears throat> they're viewing a class. And I might just get them up for a five-minute warm-up. Okay, we'll get you to run the stretch warm-up. Obviously, I'll pre-tell them if they're going to have to do that so that they come prepared. Um, and, yeah, and it's and then the rest of it, they're just sitting there and they're watching and because they have to want to do it as much as you want them, right? So it's not just about you wanting to be with them. They have to want to be with you and they have to like the class environment. If they view the class and they feel like, oh, no, this this isn't for me, this workspace isn't for me, then that's fine. At that point, you know, you're going to know and they're going to know. So that's my step four. Attend a class to view and um, you can get them to run an activity as well. Um, I typically also do pay for that class that they view. However, um, I have heard others don't. Um, but I think if you're calling them in, you know, pay them for the hour. It's, I think that's okay. Especially if you're getting them to run a warm up or something like that. Uh, okay. Step five, sign a contract. I do not give any of my training to anyone who has not signed a contract first. If they are not signed into an agreement, I will not train them and give them my IP. I will not because it also shows that they're not like they're serious or not. Like, so I definitely have an employment contract in place and I send that across to them via email. They have to sign it, send it back. Um, with that contract, I also attach a handbook, a staff handbook, which has outlines our, you know, our expectations and how we operate. And at the end of the handbook, it has a page that says, um, an acknowledgement sign off. So I acknowledge that I've read the staff handbook on this date. Okay. So with the contract they send me, they also send me an acknowledgement form that they've um, read the, the staff handbook. Okay. And the handbook's not 50,000 pages long either guys, <laughs> but you know, it, there's a bit of depth in there. It talks about our, you know, our safety policies. It could have our COVID safety policies. It might talk about um, online, our expectations around um, friending our clients and, you know, we, we don't allow that, for example. So, you know, it's all of that. It's how we engage. Um, so that's the handbook. So they sign the contract and the acknowledgement form that they've got, that they've received and read the handbook. Okay. And obviously all the other stuff, like we ask them questions um, in relation to, you know, things that we need for the contract. So send me your tax file number, here's a tax deck form, all the things. Okay. So just setting them up in the payroll system as well. So number five is sign the contract. Number six, in-person meeting and or training session. Look, if they're remote or if they're remote or there's a COVID scenario or whatever, you can do this via Zoom um, or online, whatever your portal may be. But honestly, there is nothing like that first training session in person. I truly believe it. Um, normally, depending on the time of year, so January is when I do the big team training session. And that's when 
all of our in-person team, because we have virtual coaches as well, but they're separate. That's when all of our team comes together for an in-person training day. And that training day, um, you know, can be anywhere up to six hours. So six to eight hours even. And I provide lunch. I have a different training rate, um, which so that's outlined in the contracts. Everyone's aware they're not being paid for a full eight hour day. They get a training rate. They receive my expertise um, and, you know, they get a nice lunch and they get to mingle and have a couple of drinks, not alcohol. I don't serve alcohol at my training days, (laughs) but yeah, it's really cool. So in-person meeting and training. Now, if it doesn't align with your team training day, that's okay. So I would just do it in person um, one-on-one. So, or if I'm hiring two people at that time, I align it so those two people will meet me and they don't get the full six hours if it's sort of a mid-season hire, um, but they get a couple of hours with me. I go over our culture code. I have immutable laws um, within our, you know, within our company um, that we all follow. I talked about, I talk about our standards. I go, um, you know, I'll talk about structure and all of that sort of thing. And then step number seven, don't worry, I'm going to recap these steps at the end. Um, And then step number seven is to then supervise the work and mentor them for, I, we do it for two weeks. So for our classes, what we do is we have a, um, we have either one of our top teachers, our star teachers come in and supervise and mentor them through a couple of weeks of lessons or I will do it personally, depending on the availability. So if I'm booked, like I might be booked running orientation workshops at different club sites and stuff, um, then I'll just go, you know what, uh, Tuesday nights, I've got coach Jess. She's a star. She's a star coach in our team. I'm going to send her across. She's been with us for a couple of years. I'm going to send her across and, um, mentor and coach and support our new coach, no matter how experienced they are, I don't care. They have to still have someone from our team that knows how we operate and our standards and expectations. They must um, be on site for two weeks. And two weeks, when I talk two weeks, it could just be two sessions if they're only booked for one session a week, whatever it might be. But we do not leave them on their own. Okay. Um, We want to make sure that they are understanding what our expectations are, how we um, run a class, our energy, all of that sort of thing. So, and for office staff on the flip side, whenever we've done a handover, I've gotten staff that has previously been with us um, to come in and actually do a a physical handover in person for a couple of days. Um, If you've got the luxury of that, I know sometimes you don't, otherwise it's just me. But some me doing it myself with the new um, office staff member, but sometimes I do find value in the previous staff member, especially if it ended on good terms and they were actually really a talented, skilled staff member. And if the stars align time-wise, then I actually think there's nothing wrong with um, getting them in to help the changeover and making sure that the handover is done well because they, they've they also got, believe it or not, probably a bit more information than you can provide too, because they're actually on the job doing that role. So I think if there's um, a good way to do that, then do it. I know that with my um, customer experience manager that I have now, um, she did receive a handover for a couple of days with our previous customer experience manager. And I thought that was really helpful, helpful to me, helpful to them, like everyone wins. So anyway, so that was how that all worked. 
All right. Now, the optional step at the end, which I said I was going to, to talk about, was having a confidentiality agreement before they even attend a class. So this is an IP thing or, or before they even step into your office doors. So that would come after step three, which so I'm going to, I'm going to recap this now for you. Okay. So my seven, my seven time-saving hiring process, um, my seven step time-saving hiring process is step one, email applicants a welcome video with an action step to follow. Step two, send a questionnaire uh, covering all of the questions that are relevant to your business. And then once that's come back and you're satisfied with the responses, step three is a FaceTime or Zoom interview. Now, this is the optional part. I'll call it step 3.A is send a confidentiality agreement um, before they even step on site into your business to protect your IP. I don't do this, but I know some do, and it's it's an optional thing, okay? But if you're very serious about your IP and the actual design of your work um, is very private and highly confidential, then absolutely send that across as point three, point A. There you go. Step four, attend a class or the work site to view the runnings of what's going on on site. Um, and like I said, in step four, I also get them to do a task for a class environment. It could just be as simple as getting them to run a five to 10 minute warm up. For an office environment, it could be sitting them down and giving them an office task that is typical in their day, mentoring them through it, and then letting them try, calling a few clients, trying some things. Okay, step five, contract signing. Once you know you like them, they're on board, it's all happening, get them to sign a contract. Step six, in-person meeting and training session. Like I said, you can do this remotely um, if you need to, but in my experience, there is something about in-person that I think really lifts the team up and lifts the energy of the session, okay? And then step seven, supervision and mentoring for two weeks. Of course, you're going to mentor beyond the two weeks. The mentoring just doesn't stop, click, at the end of two weeks, But what I'm saying is you're actually on site minute to minute with them side by side, making sure that they are running it the way you need it to be and that they're feeling comfortable and everything is running smoothly. Okay, so there you have it. There are my seven steps for hiring. That's how I do it, guys. Um, Just a quick note for anyone that is hiring office staff and and I started the podcast with a really um, quick snippet about how I received over 80 applicants for the office role. Um, Just so you know how I culled that in half at the get-go, just to save you time again for those types of roles where you are actually hiring off-seek or these other hiring uh, websites where you just get people throwing like like literally just throwing um, CVs at you without thought. They're just literally just applying for stuff. If they haven't written a cover letter, I don't even open the application. I don't care. I'm not interested. 
If I've got a high volume of applicants and they haven't bothered to write a cover letter, then they're just slapping what it, they're just slapping things on whatever sticks and they're not actually, um, they probably applied for 20 things that day. So I'm not actually interested if they haven't bothered to even say, hi there, my name is, I've been doing this for so, so long, whatever. And, you know, I would love to work with your company for X, Y, Z reasons. Like if they haven't even bothered to write a paragraph or a sentence, um, then it's a no-go for me. Yeah. Uh, now that obviously doesn't really happen. Well, it can, I suppose, um, from a studio perspective when you're hiring teachers. Um, if they just send like a Facebook message going, hey, I'm interested, like because you post a, something online in a group or whatever about the role and they go, hey, I'm interested. How much, how much is it? Where are you? What do you, what are the hours and how much do you pay? I just say, please email me your CV to this. I don't even answer that question. Please email me your CV to this because I just find that to be really, um, just there's no care factor in the application process, which means that they don't have attention to detail, which isn't what I'm looking for. Okay. All right. Rock and roll. There you go. There you have it. I hope this saves you time, energy, and heartache when it comes to hiring staff, because we all know that when you get a dud, it's a nightmare. Look, I will say that this will, you might only get one person reply to your video out of 20, that first step or two. That's fine. Don't don't think, oh, no, but the other applicant had a better CV. Yeah, but they're not interested. You just told them what you're looking for and they didn't even reply to you. You can send them a text message if you want to check, hey, did you receive the email with my video? And if they say, and if they don't answer to that, they're not interested. You've told them what you expect and it's not what they're looking for. So do not pursue those applicants. They will waste your time. Desperate hires are not the way to go. When you hire desperately, you end up with rubbish, to be honest, (laughs) with people that just are disinterested in your brand, in your message. They're there for, you know, a short time. Uh, They complain. They always want more. It's, It's just really hard to manage people like that. So you're actually better off if you have 40 applicants and then only four come back to you with a response. Yes, I'm ready to move forward or whatever your action is that they need to take. Great. Then you send the questionnaire and only two out of the four reply to the questionnaire. Even better because now I've got two highly qualified people that I'm going to FaceTime with. So, you know, don't, don't feel disheartened if the numbers dwindle. That's actually a good thing. It means that you're not wasting time on people that are not, you know, not going to be there for the long term, not going to do a good job and essentially are going to be an energy vortex. (laughs) All right. Thanks everyone for listening and yeah, enjoy your day. Save yourself the heartache. (laughs) If you're looking for any coaching services, everyone hit me up. My um, details are here in the description and yeah, I'm, I, I would love to connect with you. Let me know what you're looking for. You can also contact me via my website. Okay. Thanks everyone. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts, and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com. And you can find me on socials. 
I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World. And you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuber.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.